Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I will be signing an executive order to extend Illinois' disaster proclamation, our stay-at-home order, and our suspension of on-site learning at schools through the end of the month of April. That's Governor J.B. Pritzker announcing that the stay-at-home order and the closing of schools is going to continue for at least the next several weeks. This is WBBM's In-Depth, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. I'm Cisco Kodu. This week, we continue our deep dive into coronavirus and how stay-at-home orders have pushed many aspects of our lives onto digital platforms, including work, travel, play dates for kids, partying, and even the way we look at and buy homes. They are all virtual these days. Let's begin by getting the latest developments on the COVID-19 outbreak, including a look at conditions in some of the nation's hotspots, including what is going on here in Chicagoland. Michelle Cortez joins us, a health reporter for Bloomberg News based in Minneapolis. So here in Illinois, we have more new cases every day. The numbers are growing and there's really no end in sight to that. Uh, Michelle, as you're hearing things from all across the country Is that kind of the trajectory that you're hearing where cases just keep growing? Yeah, certainly in the United States, we're still expecting all of our case numbers to rise. In New York City, which is the front line for the U.S., they're saying another two to three weeks of increasing cases, and then it's going to be spreading across the U.S. And you have to remember that the deaths actually follow the case numbers. So we're looking at well over a month of increasing death rates every day. And it's as far as uh, when that might subside, it's going to take more social distancing. It's going to take more people surviving and getting antibodies so that hopefully they can't get it again. It just seems like that's a long-term thing. This is new for everybody, even the epidemiologists, the virologists, everybody follows this. Nobody's had experience with this before. And even the pandemics that we're used to haven't followed the same trajectory as this one. It's not influenza. It's a coronavirus. So we don't know how it's going to work. But I think anybody who believes that we're going to be back out in public and gathering in large numbers before the summer is crazy. Here in Chicago, we have McCormick Place that is being set up as a temporary hospital. Uh, We also have some shuttered hospitals that are actually being reopened temporarily to deal with overflow. In New York City, you have their convention center being set up. You have Central Park being set up. It it seems like uh, local governments are doing just about as much as they can to prepare for a big crush of patients. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that that is one of the things that we have benefited from in knowing that this is going to be coming. And the other piece of that is, is that it has 
generally in other places peaked pretty quickly. You know, in Wuhan, where the virus emerged from, they've closed a lot of the hospitals that they opened early on. So hopefully, well, it hopefully won't get as bad here as it got there. Hopefully we will be able to get through it just as quickly as they did. Something that we've asked you about before, but I think it's important to go back to because there's, I think, some misunderstanding A lot of people think that this stay-at-home order, the social distancing, that that will make this all go away in in maybe a couple of weeks. We are the your way right away, I I want it right now kind of culture. But when it comes to this COVID-19, it seems like this is going to be with us for a while here. It's not the sort of thing where life is going to go back to normal by May or June. Exactly. I mean, there is always the hope that with the summer months and heavier air and more humidity, that the virus will be harder to pass from person to person. And maybe as we start getting more people who have survived it and have antibodies, as you just alluded to, it'll be harder to spread from person to person. But as a general rule, viruses don't just go away. You know, we know that if you have a cold, you probably picked it up from someone, you give it to somebody else. And in this particular environment with this virus, nobody has any protection against it yet so it is we're uniquely vulnerable and it's going to move through the population whether or not we're able to corral it and not allow it to pass from person to person so we can snuff it out boy that's going to be hard because it's in so many different locations and if we don't do it that way we're going to have to wait until it gets through enough people that we have protection or that we have a a vaccine that protects us against it. Hearing some conflicting information on whether the general public should be wearing masks, uh, is that something that officials are wrestling with, whether they should tell people, hey, whether you're sick or not, go ahead and wear one of these masks? We've seen that during other pandemics in Asian nations especially. It really does make you wonder, right? I mean, I've heard from a lot of people that the reason why China and South Korea and Japan and Singapore and other Asian nations have been so much more successful in containing the virus is because they have previous uh, experience with outbreaks like SARS, and they knew to immediately start taking social distancing actions and washing their hands and wearing masks. But also, the message to us has been very consistent that a mask doesn't protect you from getting a virus from somebody else. It stops you if you're infected from passing it along to someone to someone else. So the question is still out there. Have they just been giving us misleading information or is it in fact something that we would do it so to protect other people, not to protect ourselves? I don't think that's how people are thinking about it. I think people think they're trying to protect themselves. If it actually helps other people. I guess that's a good thing, provided we have plenty of masks. But man, first, we need to get all of that PPE to our frontline healthcare workers, the doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists who are putting themselves at risk every day. That's how we're trying to take care of frontline workers, the essential employees, first responders trying their best to keep people safe. What about all of the other employees who are just barely hanging on to their jobs Many of them are being told that they have to take paid time off, losing their benefits if they want to stay on the job. Let's talk about that with Paul Starkman, employment attorney at Clark Hill here in Chicago. There are a lot of people who are being told you have to take your vacation time, anything that's been accrued, or your PTO, your paid time off. We don't have any work for you right now. The business is shuttered or it's slowing down, but we want to continue to pay you. Use those benefits Some employees are wondering if employers can do that. Can they make you take vacation time and PTO 
during this downturn right now? They can if you're on a uh, furlough where you're still uh, employed and still getting your medical benefits and other benefits. So in that type of situation, they can require that you use up your PTO or vacation time. Some people afraid that what will happen is come June or July, everything will be back to quote unquote normal. And what will end up happening is all that PTO, all that vacation time will be burned and people have to go the whole rest of the year with no vacation time. Uh, That's just, I mean, I guess that's just sort of the way things go in an environment like this. It it is part of the the environment. Um, Like I said, some um, employees earn vacation as they go. So they would use the vacation that they've earned to date. And then when things return to normal and they go back to work, they would be able to earn additional vacation time. You used the term a moment ago, furlough, and we've been hearing that tossed around a lot. Is there a difference between being furloughed and being laid off? Are those basically the same thing, or is there a difference? No, I think there is a difference. A layoff, as I use it, means a termination of employment. You lose your uh, your medical benefits, and you're no longer on the, the employer's employment rolls. Whereas a furlough is more like an unpaid leave where you're uh, no longer working, but you're still uh, employed by the uh, employer and you're still getting your medical benefits. So I differentiate between a layoff, which is an end of employment, and a furlough, which is an unpaid leave. Do you know if the people who are furloughed can get unemployment in order to just have a little bit of money coming in? I believe that they can get uh, under the new rules that they can they will be entitled to to get uh, unemployment under the under the the new uh, legislation. For the people who are still working at essential businesses, people who are actually going into an office or a job site or a store every day, uh, there's c- some concern about them possibly contracting the virus. Do employers have some responsibility to provide things like? Uh, wipes or hand sanitizer or masks or or whatever it is in order to to keep their employees safe? And I I mean, certainly it's wise for them to do that, but is there some sort of a requirement that they do that? Yes, I think there there is various laws that require uh, employers to provide a safe workplace for their employees. And that may include, uh, you know, certain things like deep cleaning or protective, uh, protective gear, so, uh, yes, they they do have a, an obligation to provide a safe way, workplace, and that includes providing uh, uh, some of these things that you're talking about. If employees are not sick, but they're just fearful of it, understandably, there, there's an anxiety. They don't want to leave their house. They want to stay at home. Uh, are employers, if they're saying, hey, you have to come into work, do employers have that ability? Do they say, hey, you're not sick, you need to come in, and if you don't, you, you could be fired? Um, basically, the, the the general rule is that employees cannot refuse to, to work if they're called into work. And uh, it's an, a tough situation, but it does depend entirely on the, the, the individual circumstances regarding the workplace. Uh, if there are reported cases, if it's, um, you know, in a hot spot uh, for, for the coronavirus, then the, the, the rules may change. But generally... Uh, employees uh, do not have the right to refuse to come into work if they are uh, called in. What kind of ability do employers have to keep sick employees out of the workplace? Because some people, you know, a lot, of, not a lot of coronavirus tests being given out in general, so some people may not have a positive coronavirus test, but they may have some of the symptoms 
for the sake of the business, for the sake of the other employees? Can an employer say, hey, you're sick, you need to stay home? Yes, under the new rules, they can uh, uh, require employees to stay home if they're exhibiting any of the symptoms of the coronavirus. And does that need to be paid, or, or do we get back to the PTO or the sick time issue there? If you have it, you have to use that? It, it gets back to the, the specific rules for what you can take leave for, uh, and there, there are various rules. If you have are, are symptomatic and seeking a diagnosis, that's one of the reasons why you can take um, paid sick leave, at least initially uh, under the 80-hour uh, rule. You've obviously been getting a lot of phone calls from clients. What would you say the biggest issue is that they've been calling to ask you about? You know, we're, we're getting a lot of questions about this furlough. And, you know, as employers are trying to, to figure out what's the best way to, uh, you know, preserve their businesses yet uh, to try and help their employees as much as possible, we're really getting questions about whether they should furlough or lay off their employees, and it's a really a gut-wrenching uh, decision for a lot of employers. So that's where we're getting most of our questions on. They're probably concerned about trying to ramp back up when business gets back to normal. If you lay employees off, they can go other places. If you furlough them, it seems like that would be easier than to bring them back into the fold. That's absolutely right, and that's one of the reasons why they want, you know, people are going to furloughs versus um, layoffs because they are uh, hopeful that things will turn around and get back to normal sooner rather than later. Whether laid off or furloughed, a lot of people are at home, and that means we're moving to a sort of virtual world in a lot of different areas, including with the kids. The governor's stay-at-home order means no in-person classes in schools all around the state of Illinois until at least April 30th. Several parents have already been home with kids for a couple of weeks now. One of the ways that they are keeping the kids entertained and occupied is with virtual play dates. This is where you go online in order to have your kids talk with their friends. Paul Hockman of Humongous Media talked with us about this on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Paul, with Zoom, FaceTime, other video conferencing features, it seems like something is pretty easy for parents. It's incredibly easy. And I think what's really interesting is (laughs) I have a couple of kids, 8 and 11 years old, uh, and it's even easier for them. In other words, they have actually led me to discover some of the features available in the Zoom, particular, you know, the Zoom version of this uh, video conferencing uh, technology, but it is absolutely happening in all sorts of levels. My 11-year-old literally goes to school, quote-unquote, in his room at 8.30 a.m., and he's joined by his teacher and about 15 of his classmates using, in this case, uh, Zoom uh, video communications, you know, there's that software. But yes, it's happening everywhere. Uh, play dates, uh, you know, late, uh, basically happy hours. People are comparing cocktail recipes. You know, that's that's not my kids, by the way, just for the record. <laughs> but <laughs> but lots of people are using this this technology now just to stay connected, to stay you know humanly connected as well as their business. So, I mean, my kids are doing the same thing where they have their class virtually online and uh, I have young kids. So their teacher will read a story and all the kids will pay attention to it. And it does seem like as best we can right now, a way to try to maintain that sense of community in the classroom. Absolutely right. In fact, you know, a lot of folks and psychologists have weighed in on this because it's obviously it's having a psychological impact on all of us. Uh, and they have said that in many ways it repl- it does do a good job of replacing uh, the sort of human need for that face, for that for the emotional connection. 
obviously, I mean, we have neighbor, we, we live in a fairly spread out area. Neighbors will swing by, but they stay, you know, six feet away or stand on the deck or something. And that's, and it's sort of strange for the kids to see their kids' faces. They actually, because the kids in particular are so familiar every day with video technology, everything from video games all the way to, uh, to you know, to, to these technologies that we just discussed, they are actually more uh, impacted in a positive way than we are in some ways, because to them, they equate uh, that video communication with human communication. And by the way, one thing I'd mention is <laughs> it's pretty interesting. It's even had an impact on the stock market. Uh, Zoom video communications, which has a ticker symbol of ZM, that's the that's the uh, the video conferencing software you discussed, was confused by a lot with a lot by a lot of investors with uh, a company called Zoom Technologies, Z O O M. Uh, that stock is up 240 percent. They had to find the SEC had to halt trading because the company is not even working anymore. They're based in Beijing. Uh, but their stock has risen so much, but people were confusing it. So be, beware uh, when you are investing in these companies, make sure you're getting the right ticker symbol. When it comes to that, that's, uh, I, I don't want to say hilarious because that's probably the wrong phrase. Yeah. It is fascinating right. to see that that has yep. gone on. Uh, when yep. it comes to the technology, talk about the simplicity of it because you, you sort of touched on this. For the kids, they're used to the video technology. They're, they're used to the, the tablets or whatever it is. But the parents, well, for them, they may be a little overwhelmed by it. Well, you know, what's really interesting is a lot of the parents have been introduced to these technologies, Google Hangouts, FaceTime, as you mentioned earlier, and Zoom and others uh, at work. And in many cases, we sort of get, um, I don't know, weaned off of the idea that we're going to set up those meetings. Somebody else sends out an invitation, a link shows up, we just click on it, we don't think about it, it's on our inbox. Well, in many cases, the kids who really want to connect with their friends are initiating these calls themselves. In other words, they're acting as admins at a large company, and now they have real insight into how to set these things up. So in many cases, I'm, I fully accept. I, I focus on technology most of my life, and I fully accept also that I'm consulting my 11-year-old on how to set up a video conference. So yes, those features are, in fact, um, sometimes buried. Uh, the, the UI folks are you know, doing their best to make it easy, but in many cases, you can't find it. And I've now been, you know, been introduced to gallery view, to how to mute uh, a group, how to create subgroups. And when we had, in fact, to, to conclude, we had a little one of those um, late night uh, cocktail hours or about eight o'clock, uh, a bunch of the kids of the friends wanted to talk to. And we created a subgroup so they could yell and scream and jump and, and laugh. And we could also, as adults, have a conversation. Who told me how to do that? My 11 year old. So anyway, <laughs> it's, it, don't discount it. Let's move from virtual playdates for kids to virtual playdates for adults. Or I guess we could just go ahead and call those parties. Laura Reitzma is with us. She is the founder of Fierce Productions. Uh, Laura, obviously social distancing means people can't party the way they used to. Is there some way, though, that they can still stay connected and have fun? Hey, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we specialize in event planning, design, and entertainment, and we can't really do that in person right now. So I wanted to come up with an idea, a virtual party that Fierce Productions would host to bring people together and lighten the mood and support my other fellow small businesses and vendors out there who are losing business right now due to COVID-19. So what does it look like? What does a virtual party look like? Yeah, so we're going to have curated performances. Fierce Productions uh, is all about supporting the arts community here in Chicago. So we're going to have curated performances from the drag community and the burlesque community. And we're going to have a cameo by a DJ uh, 
bartender uh, from the Broken Shaker. Um, he'll be shaking cocktails, and we encourage everyone at home to mix up their beverage of choice for the occasion. And we're going to have an epic dance party by DJ Michael of Cajun Aquarium. Super important to me that people get up and dance, and Fierce Productions is known for Fierce epic dance parties and show you got people at home on video watching the live stream taking part in it obviously it's not the same but it's a way to help them still feel connected exactly and you know i'm not an expert at this right now and there's not a perfect platform or streaming device out there that allows the interactive nature that i love that you know we specialize in at first productions and also have the high quality video content and music so the streaming platform that we choose will send out on our Instagram and our Facebook at Fierce Pros, where you can follow us, or on our website, fierce-productions.com, and we'll, we'll have a link available to the party. You know, it's actually, you mentioned that you're not an expert on this. This is one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because you have been on the show before. You are an entrepreneur. Uh, this is you pivoting, like a lot of other business owners in the age of coronavirus, trying to say, all right, if we can't do events the way we would normally do them, how do we do them in this age for this time? Exactly. And Gatherings with people and events are all about bringing people together and finding joy and creating un unforgettable, memorable experiences. And I'm still trying to find a way to do that, even if it has to be virtual. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right. And so the key for that, it would seem, I mean, everyone understands what's going on. So everyone knows that they're not going to be able to do it the way they normally do it. It would seem like the key would be high quality, uh, you know, a good production so that people feel like it's done well and like they're a part of something special. Exactly, because I have been doing a lot of research, and I find that a lot of people peace out pretty quickly if the quality of the music is not very good or it's difficult or there's technical problems. So we're, we're putting a lot of thought and effort behind this to make sure that the, the product that we deliver is super high quali quality. And we're still going to have ways of interacting with us through our Instagram and um, possibly even having, you know, best dance dancer or um, having like best dressed and then giving out gift cards from local restaurants from virtual play dates to virtual parties and now to virtual home tours there are a lot of people trying to buy and sell homes in the age of coronavirus but certainly if you're a homeowner you don't want to have an open house and if you're looking to buy a home you want to make sure that you're seeing as much as possible before you make an offer that means virtual tours offered on home sale websites are more important than ever. Brian Wickard is joining us to talk about that. He is president and owner of Acunet Mortgage. Brian, we've seen virtual tours on certain real estate listings for a while now, but it seems like now it's essential if you want to sell a house. Well, I think it's only natural that as the COVID-19 virus uh, continues to grow, especially in metropolitan areas like Chicago, that both buyers and sellers are more leery, understandably so, about going into um, other people's homes. Um, and so, yes, the virtual tour is alive and well, but it doesn't even really have to be that fancy. Uh, it doesn't have to be video. It can just be the still pictures. I was just reading on the Illinois Association of Realtors website that, you know, now it may be difficult to get those professional photographers and videographers to go into homes. So it might be down to the seller taking some uh, videos and pictures to get access to their home that they want to sell. Now, the key is whether it's a virtual tour or pictures, the key is just getting something up there, right? Because if you don't have any pictures, people are naturally going to be skeptical of what's going on inside that house. 
Yeah, you you'd have to. And so you know, you, in today's market, you're seeing more and more high quality photographs. There are literally real estate photography specialists, and and it's great. You know, you're sometimes looking at twenty, twenty five pictures for a typical home. You can get a very good idea that way. And then of course the key is you're writing the offer subject to the buyer being able to go through the home uh, in person, and if they don't like it, just scratch the deal. But the advantage to the seller is instead of having 20 people come through your house, you only have the winner. And when it comes to that video, you, you talk about the professional firms and how they may not be able to get there now. Uh, I mean, is it as simple as some realtors or homeowners just literally using their smartphone and taking some video? Or, or, or does that actually exactly. hurt you? You know, if it's bad video, does that hurt you? I, you know, the better the quality of anything, whether it's still photographs or uh, video, you know, the better results you're going to get. But the other innovation that's occurring, you know, let's say you are the lucky winner and you get your accepted offer. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh, have now come out just last week and said, you know what, we are not going to, uh, we are not going to require appraisers to enter the property. So now the appraisals can be done by, again, professional appraisers, but sitting at their desktop, looking at the photos of on the MLS or with an exterior only uh, uh, appraisal. And that's good for um, primary residents with as little as 3% down and loan amounts up to $510,400. So that's really going to help those who have the accepted offers get the job done. Still important for people to remember to stage the house, make sure that it looks good, even if they are camera photos, you know, just off your smartphone. Absolutely. I've just happened to have been the listing broker. I don't do this very often at all, but for my daughter's home in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, a popular suburb outside of Milwaukee, and staged it, professional photography. I mean, it's unbelievably how much how big of a difference that makes one last thing cisco interest rates on 30-year fixed rates are not at zero percent oh, we've had a lot of consumers here oh the fed cut rates to zero that does not include mortgage rates uh right now acunet on a uh, two hundred thousand dollar loan with 25 percent equity we're at 3.375 charging uh seven tenths of a point so they're Really good, but they're not back down to rock bottom where they were at the beginning of the month. So if that's the case, if that's where the rates are, uh, you know, give us an idea of who should think about refinancing. Because I, I did want to ask you about that. Obviously, there's a big refinancing crush these days. Uh, well, all the mortgage factories across America are already at two times capacity. And that occurred in late February and early March. Um, and so anybody with a loan, let's say, of $200,000, if they can drop their rate a full percentage point, uh, that's going to save them $2,000 a year, just rough back of the napkin numbers. And here's the interesting part, Cisco. A year ago, rates were at four, four and a half, four point seven five. So we've got a whole ton of people that could benefit from refinancing. I've got a blog post out that says mortgages, though, right now are like toilet paper. Both are in short supply, so you're going to have to get in a pretty long line to get some. Yeah, it's not as though, uh, you know, you, you make the phone call, you get online, you start doing the process. I mean, it's it's not like it's going to be a snap-your-finger sort of thing and you're going to get that refi done. It's going to take longer. I've heard some of the big banks are saying it's going to take 90 to 120 days. Uh, we're at Acunet, you know, we're a medium-sized firm. We're forecasting 60 days to get refinances done. But everybody has got limited capacity right now. Uh, what we're doing is reserving you know, our, our frontline capacity for people who we've pre-approved and are out there looking to buy a home. That transaction cannot wait. Our final look at the virtual world involves virtual travel. A lot of parents are home with kids, and spring break has been canceled. 
What can they do if they want to escape, even if they're still stuck at home? Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of TravelingMom.com, joins us. Cindy, we're talking about virtual experiences, ways you can just go on your laptop, tablet, your phone, and feel like you're getting away. Yeah, we're calling it Travel at Home at Traveling Mom. And, you know, there, the, the wonders of the Internet, right, can bring everything right into our houses. You can tour museums. You can see. You can look at the artwork in the Uffizi in Italy. You can walk around the British Museum. And in closer to home, we have some really cool stuff. Uh, one of my favorites, actually, is the Shedd Aquarium. They're running um, Facebook videos. Um, and and the my favorite was the one where they, they put a GoPro on an octopus. And you get to see the world from the from an octopus point of view, which is pretty fun. Haven't they been uh, showing you the, the penguins kind of playing with each other, too? And the Oh, the penguins all over, right? They're having so much fun that the video of the penguin and the baby um, whale. Was it a whale? The baby whale, I think, looking at each other through the glass. It's so much fun. Yeah. So that's all happening on the Shed Facebook page. A lot of um, and, and Brookfield Zoo is doing a lot of cool stuff on with Facebook lives as well. Um, a lot of the museums, you have to go to the website, their actual website, not their Facebook page, and you can take things like virtual tours of the exhibits. The Smithsonian Museums, the the uh, you know the amazing national museums, the Smithsonian's are doing a lot of cool virtual tours at their museums as well. So is it just photos, videos, that sort of stuff? Uh, any museums doing anything uh, interactive? I'm especially thinking for kids. A lot of parents home with kids these days. Well, and, and all trying, we're all trying to figure out how to homeschool kids, right? Because it's something we never thought we were going to be doing. Um, the Museum of Science and Industry, which has been my favorite museum since I was a little kid, um, is doing science at home exhibits or uh, um, uh, programs that you can go and you can, can just download. You can watch videos of science experiments that are easy to do at home and lots of fun to keep kids busy for, you know, 30 minutes or so, which... Sometimes it's a godsend. You mentioned Brookfield Zoo. I, I think I've seen them sort of letting some of the animals roam around where they don't normally go and being able yeah. to videotape that, which, I mean, that's fun because you can't do that ordinarily when the zoo is open. Well, and they're doing a lot of the behind the behind the scenes zoo ex, uh, experiences, which, you know, your average visit to the Brookfield Zoo, you're not going to get to watch how they draw blood from a polar bear or, you know, any of the other stuff that they have to do that isn't on display for the visitors. Disney World is shut down. A lot of people disappointed by that. A lot of vacations canceled. Uh, is Disney able to do anything online to let you have a little fun? Well, it's not it's not exactly like being there, but you can take a virtual ride on a roller coaster. Um, you know, the, the newest, uh, well, the Star Wars is the newest one there, but actually my favorite roller coaster there is the Slinky Dog Dash at Toy Story Land. And there, there's a site called Virtual Disney World, um, which is not a Disney World site. It's it's a person who's filmed all of these rides, and you can kind of climb aboard and feel like you're taking a ride at Disney World. What if you're a national park fan? It's it's you know, like you say with Disney. It's not the same as actually being on a ride, but are you able to in any way experience yeah. the beautiful national it, parks? It's the next best thing. Um, you know, there's a live cam that's showing the cherry blossoms in D.C. where, you know, people got in trouble. There were so many people coming out and actually looking at the cherry blossoms. You can do it from your home, sitting on your couch. Just queue up the live cam. Um, you can look at the Grand Canyon. There's beautiful pictures. Oh, it's just breathtaking. You can fly over the volcano at 
Volcano National Park in Hawaii. Feel free to share this podcast with a friend, and please join us next week for another edition of the WBBM In-Depth Podcast, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. Be sure to subscribe to receive this free podcast every Wednesday, and of course, listen anytime for the stories that matter by listening to WBBM on the Radio.com app or on your radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.